That stew was incredible. Would rather want a Gary's any day of the week. And that moose thing, what was that? You can make that again anytime, love. But as good as the food tasted, you looked amazing. Well, you look amazing, don't you? Really amazing. I'm a lucky man. <laughs> Am I rambling? I feel like I'm rambling. I'm so excited! Meet the Kennedys at Lassiter's Hall at the Waterhole A cup of tea at Harold Sonia's Nursery Forest Roll It's time to neighbours CJ, Kate and Bea. Let's get the neighbours Hello! This is Neighbours, where the Neighbours Recap Podcast. We overanalyze episodes of the Aussie Soap Neighbours. We are in Melbourne. I'm in the PirateNet Studios. I'm Vaya, a writer who can't suspend disbelief, and a mother currently too. Dr. Carl, baby Dr. Carl, he's eating right now. So special comments from him. And I have dialed through Grace and Global Communications to CJ. Hello. Hello. Hi, everyone. And Kate, how are you going? Yeah, I'm good, good. Yeah, just another week of lockdown done where it's still going on. The end is in sight, though. Powering through, spring is in the air. Yep. I hear the UK has been in a massive heatwave. I know that because every time a heatwave happens, people tweet the gif of Doug and Susan doing a stroll to the shops and collapsing. (laughs) What's a heatwave there? It was a genuine, like, mid-30s heatwave, which would be horrendous if you didn't have any um, air conditioning. So my sympathies, everybody. That is pretty bad. The business, again. So we've had another Neighbours spotting on The Masked Singer. It's back for a new season. I am loving The Masked Singer. Just that it's back, it's on two nights a week, a Monday and Tuesday, I think. And it is just glorious fun. Kate sent a message to our our little chat saying like it's family fun and my son hasn't really been up to watch it but it is just so much fun like my husband comes out from his office which doesn't happen a hell of a lot and and he comes up and we just you know we're guessing who it is who it is but Kate and Vaya you both have ideas on some neighbours people you think um well I don't actually watch it CJ I don't know which Kate you're talking about didn't you (laughs) no no I haven't been watching it Kate was watching Ninja Warrior CJ oh yeah, man, if you want to talk Ninja Warrior, I'm all there. I have my favourites that I go, oh, yeah, well, he did do very well, you know, like three years ago. But, you know, maybe he's getting too old now. Anyway, <laughs> getting back to um, The Masked Singer, I, I have been following it through um, the Neighbours Council when Vaya posted a, a, a video of the Bush Ranger saying, I'm pretty sure this is Bonnie. And, and it all kind of adds up, doesn't it? Um, last year, I called the spider as being Bonnie, and it was not. It was Paulini, who is very different to Bonnie in a number of ways. But it turns out Bonnie's got quite that kind of gospel sound. Uh, so I'm just hearing Bonnie and the Bush Ranger. Sounds a lot like her, but also the clues they've given so far, they pretty much feasibly add up to being her as well. Like what was one of them was what she's a she was a pioneer in her industry and batting above her weight. Possibly linking to Australia's Got Talent, her first win there. And um, the fact that she's Ned Kelly refers to both Finn Kelly and Ned her bows on neighbours. Also, there was a reference to boxing, wasn't there? And her dad's a boxer and her godfather was famous Australian boxer Lionel Rose. 
I think that they, I mean, they make these clues so that we think this. And Bonnie has conveniently, this week on Neighbours, she has taken leave. So she went, she went off on a plane this week, later in the week. So that also feeds into it, that she's gone for a little bit, right? B just goes, I'm going to go to just pop over to Switzerland tonight. <laughs> yeah, I heard that and I thought, did I miss something here? Has, this, has there been any lead up to this at all? No, I don't think so. But also Therese decided to go to LA as well. And I, I think this always happens on Neighbours. It just sounds weirder to us now because no one can do that. <laughs> Um, but I don't, yeah, but they always do this on Neighbours. Like they, they leave to start a whole new life with four hours notice. So a holiday should only give like half hour, right? Like we were hearing about poor CJ's plans to go to LA for yeah. like like eight months. And you, you would have thought I deserved it. <laughs> I wonder if with the ISO shooting that they're doing there, whether they had to decrease the amount of cast and crew they had at all. Like maybe that's, this is one way they can do that. I, I think you're right. Yeah, because a lot of them have disappeared. Toadie went to Queensland, Carl and Susan were travelling, Chloe went to Adelaide, and now... Puffy's about to head down the, to Colac. Oh, boy, for Colac's the new rehab. Yeah, I don't think they have a rehab there, Puffy. I don't want to preempt any conversation, but I feel like Colac would be a place where you could go and get a lot of illicit drugs. There's not much else to do there. Yeah. Um, And thanks to Jacob, who joined the Neighbours Council on Facebook. He says he listens while he's trying to go to sleep or studying. Our Aussie voices do wonders for his concentration. Oh, that's that's quite flattering. Thank you. That is lovely. Thank you very much and welcome to the council. This is business. It's not personal. So, kick off some chat about Monday, August 10 onwards. We'll do a shallow paddle across the week's plot points. Starting with... One of the weirdest things I've seen in a while, it's the live stream protest at Lasseter's on Monday with a bunch of ragtag teens hiring out a hotel room and not trashing it like last time Hendrix hired one out. They um, just went around and pointed all of the um, bad eco practices that were going on in there to an audience of I don't know who. I wanted to ask you about this, Faye, because you've been making content for a long time, but also let's just focus on this podcast, not all of the content you've made. Yeah. How long have you been making this podcast? Five years. And do you think that you got yourself an audience just a few minutes in or did it take some time? <laughs> it was a slow burn. We had a good little small family of people that joined us early on, but... um. It took a couple of years to get to the healthy audience base. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, mean, it's more Neighbours is more niche than, say, eco-warrior content, I guess. I mean, a zero-waste Facebook group that's got a, quite a lot of members. Well, I maybe we should start putting this more zero-waste into the podcast. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I don't have a problem with teenagers being up in arms and having their little funny protest and all that kind of stuff. That's totally on pitch for a teenager, particularly Mackenzie. Yeah. But... I think there's unrealistic expectations of how many people would be seeing it and that Boomer, Stefan Dennis, why am I calling him that, Paul would... Because you're trying to remember how he relates to them all. Yeah. Harlow's grandpa. Harlow's grandpa, like he would be sitting on the computer looking at the Facebook notifications. He was getting to the minute Twitter stats of what was trending, like Lassiter's was trending. Yeah, and it was trending. I find that... I mean, <laughs> I was watching that and it actually annoyed me so much. I was like, haven't we got 
bigger things to worry about right now than whether the mini bar has got overly packaged food. Because I, I look at that and I go, wow, something's clean in that room. Something's guaranteed to not have germs on it. Bravo, Lassiters. I'd like to see more. And we do have bigger things to worry about, coronavirus aside, because I've started watching Craig Rucastle's new series on ABC. It's called Fight for Planet B. And he did the series War on Waste, which I think there was a UK version of it too. War on Waste, three years ago, where he went through people's households and divided up all their rubbish and got them to use reusable coffee cups and deposit their green waste into a bin and all this sort of stuff and get rid of the plastic straws. And I feel like Lasseter's is way behind. They should have been implementing this stuff three years ago. Every hotel I go to has a policy for towels. Like, put them on the floor if you want them taken away. Hang them up if you want to reuse them. Yeah, but they've, they've done that for years as well to save money as well. You can't tell me that yes. Paul wouldn't have been pinching every penny at the hotel anyway. And Craig Rucastle has now moved on to the war against climate change, which is actually the bigger problem here. I feel like maybe Mackenzie should be going around saying, so, Paul, who's your energy supplier? Yep. Okay. Well, have you considered going to this green supply that, you know, uses renewable energy? Yeah. Get some, whack a couple of solar panels on the roof. Like that should be the fight. Not is the water hole using plastic straws. That rooftop pool should be um, solar heated. Oh, well, I think they, that later on in the week, they say that they got Paul a quote for solar panels. I can't believe. Perfect. Firstly, plastic straws are, are illegal, aren't they? Aren't they like, <laughs> don't you go to prison for using a plastic straw? I don't understand. <laughs> Have you been to McDonald's recently, CJ? Because the plastic straws are now in plastic bags. Oh. (laughs) I mean, also there's an accessibility issue. Like there's certain facets of the community that rely on a plastic straw. But I think we're all okay with our reusable products. But like they were talking about food that was in the minibar. It has to be wrapped up. You can't have fresh food sitting there for housekeeping to to cough on on their way into the fridge and for the previous person who stayed in your room to take a nibble out of yeah this oh, it just really annoyed me richie you've finally done something that makes me dislike you well maybe um this goes back to our theory of someone on in erinsborough being a super spreader mm. it started at lassiter's there's no wet market that started this virus it was lassiter's oh yeah then also paul just caved which I was relieved about because I just didn't want to hear any more of anybody's belly aching. But he just went up and he's like, oh, well, my granddaughter's in there now. I'll just, you know, approve all her demands. Well, hopefully he just does the most tokenistic approach to all this and like, you know, secretly, I don't know, burning all the the landfill in a a skip behind the hotel just to spite her. Also, Harlow was going about this ass about face because she was pulling people's straws out of their drinks at the waterhole. Mike. Oh, they've already used the plastic. It's going to go into the bin anyway. That was so annoying. It's actually, that is so wasteful. And was there something else? Did she go and steal plastic wrap from somewhere? Yeah, she she threw out the cling wrap at the Willis house. <laughs> that that infuriated me. That That's like plastic wrap can last you. Like if you don't use it very often, you can have it for like bloody 15 years before you get through a whole roll. And she's just chucking into landfill straight away. Disgraceful. Also... Harlow wouldn't have a grandfather if it wasn't for plastic wrap. Go on. That's how him and Sheila kept warm. <laughs> he may have frozen. That is a deep cut and I appreciate it, CJ. Okay, let's move on to the other weak plot point I found this week, which... <laughs> oh, God, it was cringe where Levi and B Bevi. declared that they were a fake couple or declared that they were a couple. 
Bevi, in order to throw Yashvi off the scent of Levi's, um, what is it? Epilepsy drugs. Because Levi wasn't on top of his prescriptions, which we've all been there. Like, it's annoying that you have to get one every month or get it filled every month. And so he sent B as the only person who's in on his secret to go to Patterson Hills to get a prescription filled and bring it back to him, which is a real errands replace. It is because I said, oh, surely we've never heard of Patterson Hills before. We have. Perfect Blend tells me it's where Sonia's grandma lived, where Callum lived for a while. It's a fair way away, I imagine. Even the name of the suburb sounds like it's a long way away, doesn't it? Yeah. It makes me think of Kath and Kim because of Patterson Lakes, which is actually where Kath and Kim was filmed. It makes me think of that. It's, it feels like a new development kind of suburb, but then Callum's grandma lived in like an old farmhouse, I feel. Hmm. So because Levi skives off his shift to go get this medicine from B, and V comes in and she's like, what are you doing here? And B's like, we are on a date. We are in a relationship secretly, which I loved. I love that she declared it a secret relationship. Why are you secretly dating? Well, we just didn't want the pressure just in case it didn't work out. And it's early days. We didn't want the heat from Gran. You didn't think I could keep a secret? Yeah, it, it was just easier not to tell anyone. There's nothing getting past debt fee, though, is there? Yeah. She's like, yeah, have a mid-workday date in the mechanic's garage. Hot. So it was Levi wasn't meant to be on his lunch break. So we can only assume that this is like morning tea, secret love affair break in the garage. And B explains it away by saying, oh, because I'm going to Switzerland tonight. I'm like, hun, the flight's at least going to last till tomorrow, but okay. Uh, she wanted to sneak in a visit. And the reason it's awkward, many reasons, but is that Levi had expressed no interest in B romantically because it's too much drama because of all the Finn fiasco. She needs that book that he's just not that into you. Oh, gosh. she's So now with this, she's just pushed a relationship onto them. But now it's going to go full rom-com style and he's going to slowly realise he has eyes for her. Yeah. I I wonder what it is. We talked about this a bit last week, so I don't want to harp on. But, I mean, she's obviously very attractive and she does have the drama, but also, like, I I wonder what it is. I think it's like... I think it's something about him, like, you know, he doesn't want his cortisol levels going up because that might cause his um his epilepsy. I don't understand epilepsy and how that could possibly be related. But No, it's, he needs his drug because I assume the drug has a quite a short half-life and he just needs to keep taking it and otherwise he'll have a seizure. No, CJ was talking about him getting the horn, I imagine. Oh. Yeah, like I wonder what's going to make him. No, no, I know he needs his medication, definitely. The cauliflower crusted pizza won't do that. Do you think he's like the Hulk then? <laughs> but, you know, like if he, um, instead of turning into the Hulk, he'll he'll just have a seizure if he, if he horns up. I just think it's really interesting. I think there's more to the story on why he doesn't want to go out with her because he said that it's drama, but that doesn't really sound plausible. I don't know many young men well I don't know very many young men anyway but even if I did that just look at a girl with drama and say no I want nothing to do with the drama it just I don't know what it is I um took this personally because I had a boy in high school tell my friends that he didn't want to go out with me because I was too much drama which in hindsight fair play I was too much drama and continue to be you wouldn't have been able to handle it buddy but at the time I was half upset but half relieved like oh okay so maybe I, I, in theory, I'm a bit of all right. He just emotionally doesn't want a bar of me. I think I, I can wear that. Yeah, that's a good. That is a good point. 
Um, it's not about how she looks. B needs to find herself. B was only dating a psychopath, what, three months ago? Yeah. <laughs> These things, no. No, B, come on, just be single for a while. Grow, I don't know, maybe move into a flat with some flatmates, something like that. Be like an adult for a while and work out what you really like about life without being manipulated. She could have a crush, like have your little crush on Levi, we all do, but just, um, you know, leave it at that. Okay, so I need to talk about Shane, Rebecca's lowest ebb. Wow, this is just fully, it's just grit city, this storyline. He's full from grace and he's full into amphetamines. Just when you think he couldn't get any darker, like he had his big withdrawal in the hotel room scene, he is now falling off the wagon because he's trying to get through a week and he can't. He's dependent on these drugs now and he goes out and gets more. Yeah. And we know that Shane and um, Dippy share money, like they have a joint bank account because remember we've had all those hints throughout the year when they gave money to – um, Ned and Paul Mercurio. Paul Mercurio, yeah. Um, that they have to be honest with each other about money. That's something that they've arranged. So his drug ha- habit is starting to escalate. And so at some point, Dippy should start to notice that there's money being taken out of the bank account, right? Oh, I wonder if he's been stealing from the waterhole. It makes more sense. There's cash there. Um, he's still continuing to study in the living room, which offends me. It's so annoying. Like, Toad can't even have a little casual chat with Carl on the couch because um, Shane's there passive-aggressively studying. And he's got a Year 12 student in his house. Mackenzie should be the one bellyaching about not getting any peace and quiet, but she's going about her business and amassing a live stream audience at the same time. I know. She's kicking goals. My heart is breaking for Mackenzie because all she needs is a secure home to get through her final year of school and not be put through more trauma. She's just had so much happen in the last, well, in her whole life, but even just in the last year, imagine how much has happened to her. And now her essentially not foster family, but her guardians, there's a drug dependence issue and quite possibly a breakup on the loom. Look, I'm angry at Mackenzie. Just bloody... Pull your head in, study. Don't worry about doing this 20-year anniversary or whatever. Just sit down, study, study, study if you want to get into law. You need to get some really good marks. Also, he he was being really abusive to her and Dippy this week, just snapping at them for the smallest thing. And he's going to every length to not reveal that he's on drugs. And I just think what's worse, having your partner think you're just being a massive cunt because you're tired and cranky, or revealing that you've developed an addiction because you weren't coping. I think the latter is less offensive. Oh, I don't I don't know. I think finding out that your partner's being lying to you about being a, having a drug addiction, I think that is so huge. That's like gobsmacking compared to him just being like a grumpy prick for kind of semi-feasible reasons. But also the actual drug addiction, I'd like to think of it as like a person that's living inside him, a little gremlin and um, a little, a grumpy little Shane. And that little gremlin, that addiction only wants to flourish. So it wants to do everything to continue. If he tells his family that he's taking drugs, they're going to make him go to rehab. Um, and I, someone in the council said that this was a huge left turn for Puffy 
And I just think maybe they're just sending him full circle back to original Puffy because I was reading up on him. And when he first came to the street, he was a criminal. Like he was breaking in to residents' houses, like Carl and Susan's house, breaking and entering. And he ended up getting thrown back into prison. So in and out of prison in 1995. And for all this to track, in, he then has to get released from prison by about the year 2000. And then within that time, he's met Dippy and had the kids. So he's straightened himself up between, say, 96 and 99. She redeemed him. Because <laughs> that's women's place on this earth is to make men better. Mm. I'm trying to find a picture of what the original Shane Rebecca looked like. Oh, he had like long hair and stuff. <laughs> he looks so. If you look at the picture of him on Perfect Blends, um, he looks odd. He looks like the original Toadie, yeah, with long hair. I mean, it's kind of feasible that um, Nicholas Coughlin is him now, but it's pretty funny. It's like bizarro Shane when you look at him. <laughs> and it is odd that his dark past hasn't come up in this modern tenure on the show. Like, mm-hmm. Dippy never goes, you're acting like a dickhead the way you were when in the early days when you were out of prison. So, basically, Shane, the whole week heading up to Thursday, we've got Blue Baggies, either he's got fresh drugs and he is up and he's happy-go-lucky and he's all sorts of, you know, fast. He's on speed, right? And he's very dismissive of uh, other people's conversation when he's up, which I think was really on pitch. Then when the Blue Baggies are empty, he is, you know, depleted and aggressive and, you know, he's coming down. So Roxy comes across Dippy in the centre and Dippy asks Roxy what's going on with Shane and Roxy doesn't tell her anything, which I'm not sure. Do do you have an opinion on whether she should have just told Dippy then? I don't know if I'd be telling kind of a woman I kind of know. I don't know if I'd be telling my colleague's wife, oh, yeah, he's on drugs. I think at that point I understand why she didn't say anything, but I think the next day after – it escalated. I don't know mm. why she kept holding on to the secret after he was a dick to her. I'm like, you know what? You got nothing. In, you got no dog in this fight now. Go to his wife. Mm, mm. So Roxy confronts him. She says she wants to confirm her suspicions. So she goes straight in the backpack, which is where he always keeps his drugs because he's apparently a 15 year old boy. <laughs> and well, well, a he's got a backpack. Yeah, that's well. true. It's true. He bought the I'm going back to uni kit, and the speed was in the backpack that he got. I guess. Um, but. He's doing engineering. The engineering back to uni kit involves a lot of beer at the pub. It does. I was about to say, there's been a lot of talk about how hard a degree it is, and I I can't argue that. I don't know anything about engineering. But they drink a lot. Like, that's their deal, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, Both my brother and sister and my brother-in-law are engineers, and it's, yeah, it's a lot of hard maths work, you know. But, yeah, a lot of time at the pub too. I think because it's traditionally quite a blokey course, and, you know, it's a bonding thing to do when you're an 18-year-old guy, just go head off to the pub. All I know, and it, it clues into both the drinking and the blokey part, is that when I was doing my undergraduate degree, the girls wanted to go to the engineering ball because there was drunk, hot <laughs> men there. <laughs> so so we were going to take advantage of them, I guess. Anyway, um, so Roxy puts her hand in the backpack, grabs out the drugs and is like, I'm right, you've got drugs. And then she... To prove to Shane that he is addicted, she puts him down the sink and Shane goes at her physically, verbally, 
in every way. Figure that it might have something to do with her lying, drug-using husband. Come on, don't call me that. <laughs> Why is it too close to the truth? Just leave it, Roxy. Yeah, you. I can take or leave, but this is about Dippy. Give it to me. You said that you had this under control. I do. Yeah, well, I guess you won't mind if I pour this crap down the sink. Shit, give it to me. Ow! Say you're hurting Give it to me! Now, I think there's two reasons why Neighbours didn't show his hands on her body. One of them is ISO, obviously, but the other one is I think it maybe just would have been too much and people wouldn't have been able to forgive Shane if they'd seen it. Um, but I think the presumption is is that he grabbed her arm. That was talked about. And Kyle apparently was walking past at just that moment and runs in and, and says, I love that hey, moment what are you doing? He, and gets he all, lunges you know, at Puffy and then Roxy puffy runs at Kyle. About it. None of them makes contact, but it's it's very effective. She kind of like freeze frames in between <laughs> them. Mm. So Dippy comes home and Shane's unraveling. Then Kyle comes back and says, do you know what kind of man your husband is? And she draws the conclusion, well, she talks to Jane and Dr. Carl and everyone's like, yeah, he's depressed. That's another dark day for Erinsborough Hospital when um, Carl's diagnosing a patient without having seen them. Yeah, third hand in a coffee shop. I don't think they're wrong. I think Shane probably is depressed as well as being addicted to amphetamines. Yeah, and I think, you know, often a drug use is a symptom of a mental health issue, most likely. I think that it's interesting that they've picked speed because speed's not often thought of as a mental health issue when people are using it the way Shane is to get study done. Like some people just think of it as a legitimate reason for using the drug. You, you know what I don't understand? Why he was sitting there just like Jack Nicholson in The Shining, just kind of like almost <laughs> drooling with his eyes half open. Why isn't he taking it while he's studying? Like, I don't get it. Olivia in the Neighbours Council shared a nice interview with Nicholas Coughlin and his take on it is that Shane's a very traditional kind of man's man and in, to, for him he has to be the provider, the father and the husband and all that and all his anxiety is tied up in proving himself and one wheel comes off and then all the wheels come off. I, look, I'd, I'd believe that if we hadn't have known Shane for the last few years to just be a really happy-go-lucky guy who's not particularly worried about success hmm. and he quite happy bringing in income in a random hospital job and letting his wife kind of run the business and yeah. taking the reins and also like the, i know they're living with toady and that but they're not they're not struggling financially like they were able to help out paul mccurio and ned this year and they've got two teenagers boarding at school like that must cost a pretty penny oh no no they, they've got scholarships there of course they do. Oh, and I guess they live with the relatives, the grandparents. They're not paying. Imagine, imagine how much school fees would be for a, a child who boards at some fancy school in Sydney. In Sydney, Jesus. Yeah, it'd be like fifty thousand dollars for just the fees, probably. Yeah, per child. Yeah, you're right. They've got scholarships. I don't think they have all that much money pressure. I think that they've, you know, I think to be honest, I think probably Dippy does the books and she does a good job at her budgeting. She's got a good spreadsheet. So it, it must all come down to the education thing. Like some people just never give up the fact that they didn't receive a formal education. And if he's country boy, um, mm. yep, gone through prison. School of hard knocks, university of life. He's got attached his identity to this and the engineering thing's going to bring him out of that. Yeah, I think, like, I guess that's what he thinks. He thinks he's going to finish this course and he's magically going to get some engineering job maybe at the government and he'll be doing that forever and he'll, you know, take his family to... I don't know. He's probably got ideas of taking them to Disneyland or something. 
Um, but by then, his adult children can pay their own way to Disneyland. I think they can now. He's basically only got Kersha, who was a child anymore, and he's not even raising her. So then they have this intervention. I love me a TV intervention. It's one of my favourite tropes. But obviously with casting, they could only have Toadie and um, Dippy administer this intervention. I reckon if you could have a few more bodies in the scene, maybe Roxy would have been there, maybe Sheila, Yashvi, like just get the whole fam in. That's a nice juicy intervention. But we just have Toadie and Dippy, and they actually don't know what they're intervening. They just think he's down. Yeah, and I think, look, I think at very least they should have got a professional in to help them with their intervention. At least David or someone. Someone like Susan. Or even someone from the mental health unit at the hospital. Because <laughs> he went straight with the, I'm going to go to the country and isolate myself. And I think a professional would have said, look, I don't think that's a good idea. Well, he's going to be with Stony. No, but even even Toadie's like, spending time with mum is not relaxing. Yeah. And he wouldn't see any other way he's like no I'm going I've got my car's loaded I'm going to Colac bye my favorite part of this whole story was Dippy tracking down Shane using an app which I have dubbed the find my husband app because <laughs> I'm a big fan of that app for that very same reason and um yeah he was on the side of the road well looking to score his drugs but loitering yeah she she just saw him loitering there and then he missed his dinner which I thought was the big anniversary dinner but turns out it was just a fancy dinner there's still more anniversary stuff coming. God, I could care less about people's anniversaries. I think, though, what an anniversary is, is it's what it means to the other person. And Dippy, obviously, is the kind of person that this would mean a lot to. And so him dropping the ball on that is particularly sad, as opposed to if it was, you know. Oh, yeah, it's a love love language type thing. Yeah, exactly. I think the main point is that after manhandling Roxy, at very least, and possibly abusing her, he shouldn't be allowed to choose his own intervention strategy. And so when I say I think there should be a professional there is I think he has work to do and I don't think he should be in power of making those decisions right Mm. now. Yes. I mean, he went over and saw Roxy before he left, but no one knows he's done that. So he hasn't even apologised and that's not even what she would want. She would want him to be you know, bettering himself rather than apologising. But, um, you know, he hasn't done any good to that because all Dippy knows is he's moody and he's assaulted someone. So the answer to that's not Colac. You know what I mean? Well, to a lighter part of the Rebecca house, Kate, would you talk about uh, Toadie's new interest? Well, Toadie's decided to get back on the um, on the old dating horse. So he's, um, yeah, looking a bit of online dating. He had, well, he had... Um, Nell's old kinder teacher drop around some lemon muffins for him, which I don't know, it feels, you know how there's a language of flowers in the like Victorian era? You know, like if you send someone some camellias and lavender together, I don't know, it'll be something like, I'm thinking of you with a warm heart or something like that. What what, what sort of message does lemon <laughs> muffin send to you? Um, that you've, the person who made them has a lemon tree? <laughs> Probably. But no, no. But I feel like muffins are suggestive in themselves. What, because they're breakfast food? Yeah. Let's have them after a night together. No, I feel like, yeah. What's that What's that song? Your favourite Lady Gaga line, Vaya? Oh, bluffing with my muffin. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, he changes his um, relationship status on um, Facebook. I don't know, from what, bereaved? Widow? It's complicated? To, to single? Thrice bereaved. <laughs> the merry widower. <laughs> And he's, and he's on the apps. Yeah. Which, and he's trying to get people to help him do his apps. 
which get a lady to do it. Don't go to the bumbling men of Aaron's brother and do your apps. Get Chloe to sort it out. And Carl's sitting there in the cafe offering advice, dressed, I can only describe it as cosplaying as a jockey. <laughs> He's got like some weird small cap on, and it was too small. It was too small for his head. <laughs> Is that a cycling cap? Have it I, was. I missed something here? Yeah, I think it's an ode to like the Tour de France, which would be on. It would have just happened, you know, under normal circumstances. Yeah. But I think it's like um like a European racing outfit. Well, let's call it that. Well, around these parts, he looked like a jockey, and it was weird. <laughs> anyway, no, who who would take any love life advice from? Dr. Carl. Anyone? Well, he mentions that he's been married for a long time and he gave my favourite line I've heard in a while. Do you need help? I need a date, doctor. Someone to help me go through all these messages all these women have sent me. Well, what about an actual doctor? I'm clearly, I know what's what. How long have I been married for? (laughs) Oh, all right, everyone makes mistakes too, even you. Even you. (laughs) Zing. (laughs) Great zing. And Carl just stays around for this. So he gives advice, but then he sticks around. Because <laughs> there's a date happening. And we, we've got, um, thanks to Georgie and the council who dubbed the Calax of Ferns. We love a Calax of Ferns that now adds extra espionage uh, assistance around the street. In the middle of Harold's, people can just hide behind a cheeky pot plant and eavesdrop on Toadie's date. And he pops his head up at one point. When when Toadie does take a date, and it gave me the biggest laugh of the week, that scene. And then Toadie had to pop out, and then Carl just continued to interrogate this woman about why she's not eating carbs. A quick point on this lady. So she had lovely, um, like a, a blunt fringe, and she had a photo of her Facebook profile was her kids and her eating pizza. And Toadie thought, that's great, like we're going to get along. And she bring, he brings up hey, you like pizza, let's go and get a pizza. And she's like, oh, no. And he goes, but your Facebook profile. And she says, oh, we don't eat carbs. So like us eating a pizza is enough of an event to take a photo of it. And a few weeks ago, it was pointed out that Ned looked at Bromley & Co website and Kate felt it wasn't a reach out to her. And Faye, you commented on there that they on Neighbours at one point mentioned that podcasts exist and straight away you took that as a wave out to you. Yeah, it's 100% a nod to us. Yeah. Woman that doesn't like carbs, I went, thank you for that. That was for me. (laughs) (laughs) But I I saw that and I thought, oh, new love interest for Levi. They've got something in common. (laughs) Gals, what do you think is the ideal next woman for Toadfish, Rebecca? Deep Liz. Just finish, just go back with her, for God's sakes. Jared? Send him to South Africa. Is she in South Africa? Isn't she in Alaska? Oh, sorry. South Africa was where one branch of the D Andrea story happened. Alaska. Alaska myself. <laughs> um, but no, come on. You've got to circle back around to that. Get Madeline West back in full-time employment. Just give us a happy ending. No, I want fresh blood, fresh meat. I, yeah, I want, I'm with you, Vey. I want fresh meat. Actually, I would like, because like I mentioned, this scene with particularly Carl gave me the laugh of the week. So I want him to go on lots of dates so that I can, like, I want to, I want this to be part of Neighbours all the time. Every ceramic pig for the rest of the year should be a different toady date. Mm. Toadie's home life would really put me off if I was on a first date with him. Could you imagine? Oh, yeah. 
Shall we go back to mine? Already, you're going, look, I would assume that he's probably looking for a woman who's already a mum so that they're, you know, she understands the logistics of having children. But first, you've got to get over the hurdle of you dating a single dad who has his kids 100% of the time, which you've got to go, all right, yep. Oh, and he also has his brother and sister-in-law and cop niece and some rando living in his house as well. Yeah. No, I think this it's probably – where are they going to have sleepovers? I think they need to do a great subplot where Toadie lies about his identity and just tries to pretend he's a free and easy single legal eagle out on the town and he's got no no responsibilities and then that all comes undone. He would be snatched up in a second. Oh, hang on. I've just – look, I've just got a couple of Brennan things to discuss. Okay, one, um, what the hell's going on with – why is Nicolette teaching Hendrix how to give – Ma Brennan food. Like, is Hendrix now one of her carers as well? I don't understand. I don't understand this situation. Particularly without Chloe there. If you're going to teach the household, teach all of them. Also, um, Nicolette had some zingers this week. She had a dig at Jane about how Chloe um, wasn't neglecting her family while she was looking after Faye. And I was like, oh, okay then. So obviously Jane devoted herself to Mrs. Mangle over Nicolette, which is, you know, one of this deep-seated issue. But then Nicolette also had a go at Pierce about him telling her to help out with Chloe, which made me think, oh, this is why she's getting fired from jobs after a month. She's just, like, got the most oppositional employee behaviour in history. Yeah, and it's interesting because with Pierce, he's he's just like, oh, he doesn't know how to deal with it. He's like, I pay you, right? Like, is that what's going on here? Because I'm the boss, yeah? He's only used to being the boss. He doesn't know how to be told what to do, really. He would be... He would be the bloody boss's boss, being the billionaire, wouldn't he? Like, how has he had any success in business and still can't tell his employee, no, this is part of your job to actually help my mother-in-law bathe? Like, Chloe needs to have a mother-daughter relationship with her mother, not a carer relationship. Yeah, and it's fair enough for Nicolette to say, look, I'm going to work five hours a day, six hours, whatever her amount is, um, and then they get a second carer. Mm. Like to cover, you know, often people who are disabled might have like a morning person and an evening yeah. person coming by. And it's it's very strange, but also I just think that they should have rented out another house on the street and Nicolette and Faye should be in that house. Definitely. That would save Chloe and Faye's relationship. My favourite thing this week was them talking about Faye's favourite TV show, Good Times, Bad Times. Is that real? It is certainly real because I thought I bet it's real and I looked it up and it's actually a Dutch show called Goede Tijden, Slechte Tijden, TV series. Goede Tijden, Slechte Tijden. It's a Dutch TV series that started in 1990, so it's coming up for its 30th birthday on the 1st of October. And the first three years of it were inspired by, by the Aussie soap, The Restless Years, which was also created by Reg Watson. Who created Neighbours? What? So, what's she? How is she finding this Dutch show then? Must be on Netflix or SBS on demand. They're definitely talking about it like they're binging it, like it's on a streaming device. From the sounds of it, though, that Gouda Titan, Schlechter Titan, sounds very much like Neighbours. Like, imagine trying to binge watch thirty years of Neighbours. Shall we do Citizen or Citizen? Sure thing. I'm gonna kick us off and mention someone we haven't talked about much. And that is Shitizen of the Week, Coil, for bunging it on, quote unquote, faking sick in this time of coronavirus 
just so that his nan could whip him up a batch of chicken noodle soup because he's feeling neglected because she's heaping the attention on his cousin. You are an adult man. Leave your nan to live her life and Uber eats your own damn soup. How weird was that when he was like, I've got a temperature, a bit of a cough, and I'm like, dude, you need to go and get tested. The whole household needs to be locked down. Yeah, and poor Clive, he's going into that home and then back to the hospital. I'm very worried (laughs) about the situation there. (gasps) Super spreader. Between him and Levi, oh, and Sheila, they they encounter every single person in Erinsborough. Oh, and, and of course, Kyle himself is at the tram, which they are all at now in their opening credits, pretty much. Oh, baby Madge this week with a Sylvanian family's tram made what we now dubbed the 82. Oh, that's beautiful. (laughs) I'll take a photo for the council. Mm -hmm. CJ, do you have one? I'm going to just go out and say Stony. Four. Puffy. No, Stony. Oh, okay. For Shittison. (laughs) Why is that? Because he gets... A call from his brother saying, I'm just lie to my wife and he's going he's gonna to do it. And he's just letting this, this his brother dig himself further and further into addiction. And it's because, you know, they've got a culture of lying to women in their family. Hmm. And I'm not happy with it. <laughs> Kate? Look, oh, this week it just feels like everybody's been on the shit spectrum. Except Roxy. Oh, Roxy's been great. Roxy's been great, but also she's inserting herself into other people's business, I think, where she should have just said, nah, this is too much drama for me. Either shit or get off the pot. Either remove yourself or if you're going to be involved, tell one of his family members so they can help him. Yeah. I think, but at the top of the shit heap, it's probably is Shane. Great. I was hoping someone would give that to him. Uh, Vaya, I just remembered something that is probably burnt into your retinas. (laughs) Um, but you didn't mention, and that was um, Ned's ongoing career in the sex worker adjacent industry. Um, the, the photo of his bum that went on Fandangle. Oh, oh yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah that was just something I enjoyed and mo- moved on from. <laughs> what a doofus. He, p- he puts on this photo of himself. And he doesn't see his own bum in the reflection, even though he's sitting down to edit the photo. Oh, my God. What do you mean? Does he have bum blindness in the eyeballs and he doesn't he doesn't see bums? His, his bum's like a ghost. doesn't show up on camera when he looks at it. Oh, man. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bum vampire. <laughs> I loved um, Yashvi brings it to his attention and he said, oh, it's my, my latest post. I've got the most likes I've ever had. Like he is just completely... <laughs> like, I wonder what it is that's different. I'll tell you what, get that woman onto the bloody... Um, Cyber crimes. Yeah, she can, like, pick a, a bum pixel out at, you know, two metres. Well, um, <laughs> she just went to the cybercrime briefing this week, so... That's right. So she was on high alert. Mm, well, it's, it's only a matter of days now before she's a detective in that unit, so... You, you know what's amazing? The fact that he could put together a um, business plan for this artist's colony he's turning the backpackers into <laughs> and the fact that he thinks they can make a profit out of it, which goes to show that the backpackers must have just been hemorrhaging cash. And how what a delight how fast Paul was able to shut down that hellhole. Oh, maybe it was already shut down by the health department. <laughs> Yeah, he go. Ned's like, how soon can you shut it down? Paul's like, snaps his fingers, consider it done. <laughs> He's just like, like 
skirt out. See you later, Sven. <laughs> just like that Simpsons gif of Mo turfing out the punters <laughs> from Mo's tavern. Just Paul turfing out all these Europeans out but on their ass. What happened to my? <laughs> Oh, imagine, imagine all the shared food in the fridge. Oh, the stink. How is he going to get the stink out of the artist colony, you know, out of the bloody backpackers? Oh, he's not going to have to for an artist colony. But the, the thing is, like, every studio that I know of that has, you know, artists and designers working in it is run on the, the bloody smell of an oily rag. <laughs> it's people are there to pay minimum rent and that's it. They're not there to turn a profit for the landlord. Yeah, totally. It's a really strange concept. What he can do is it can be like like a YouTuber space, like a creator space. Like it's got backdrops, it's got cameras, like a high internet speed. It's got a mirror that won't reflect your ass. I think the point is, though, is it's not going to be a real artist space. They're not going to be real artists and designers that are there. They're not even going to be real influencers that are there. It's just going to be people who are smoking a lot of pot. Like, that's all it's going to be. And maybe he's going to start dealing or something. It'll complete the, the drug trilogy that's going on in the in the street at the moment. So, so is the point of it is that Ned's going to move into the mezzanine? I believe so. Oh, love that for Ned. Love it. Maybe you could put a door up, get, some, get the paper mache out and paper mache himself up a door. Maybe a boob door. But Paul Paul is just like, if this gets you out of my fucking house, then yes, fine. I'll close the backpackers and you can move in there, you bloody moocher. Did you guys notice the yellow calyx that was still sort of um, on the ground after Sonia hit it? (laughs) How did that survive? Like, Ikea furniture is not solid wood. Like, how did it survive actually falling over and down a couple of metres? Well, actually, there's a company that's very zero-waste conscious because they found out that so many people were putting the Ikea furniture out on the nature strip for hard rubbish that they went, you know what, bring it back to us and we'll we'll um, repurpose it and recycle it. There you go, Lassiters. That's what you do. Yeah. You find a solution. Well, maybe that's what Lassiters have been doing. Maybe they're actually zero-waste uh, warriors. They've been storing all of the Ikea junk, like they've been taking it all off the streets so that it doesn't decompose on the streets and get run into waters and... And repainting it and putting it in the middle of the water hole to store the wine. Yeah. Come full circle. Oh, Neddy, Neddy, Ned, come up with a business plan for your career He first. did. Paul approved it. No, for his career. What, what is his actual aims and goals? Like, what artistic field is he going to specialise in? He, he wants to make stuff and sell it. <laughs> End of plan. Yeah. I think actually his plan right now in his head, because I don't think Yashvi seems unaware of what's going on with her father. Like she's, it doesn't seem to be touching her, the story, if that makes sense. So Ned's whole goal at this point is just to get her, his like father-in-law or quasi father-in-law off his back, except like he doesn't realize what's going on there. <laughs> he doesn't need to do much anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm lower. Mm. But the Ned storyline would have been a lot better if he was just at like doing a five-year degree where he could have had five years where he could just dick around, date girls, and, oh, yeah, just be at uni when he's not on screen. And they wouldn't have to make up like weird shit because it's turning him into this weird loser. Well, let's take this offline and solve Ned's problems uh, outside pod hours (laughs) and we can keep the chats going. In the Neighbours Council on Facebook, my favourite place to be, or Neighbours Pod on Twitter. CJ, where are you? At CJ the Hot Mess Mum on Instagram and TikTok. Kate? 
I'm at Remude on Twitter. Baby Dr. Carl just passed some gas into the microphone, so it's going well over here. Um, <laughs> well, that's what we've been doing for five years now, just hot air. <laughs> it's a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm Vase on Instagram and Daily Baby is my other podcast where I talk about raising baby Dr. Carl. So just punch it in to the podcast app and share this around with your friends, share that around and we will chat, chat to you guys from Melbourne lockdown next week. You lift us up where we belong, keep chatting to us, helps us out and we'll speak soon. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye.